Hello, hello. Alex from the future here, editing Alex. Um, I'm currently editing the episode and decided that, again, we want to give a trigger warning. In this episode, we talk about a lot of heavy subjects, especially historical events, but we also discuss, at some point, homophobia and transphobia in television. And we will definitely talk about sexual harassment, sexual assault, and also non-consensual sex. If this is a topic that is triggering to you or if it's something you don't want to listen to, something you want to avoid, that's completely fine. We will put on this sound. And when you hear that sound, you will know, okay, it's my time to skip. We will also put this sound at the end of the triggering section so you don't get triggered by accident. We will also put the time frame where we discuss these things into the description so you can just skip ahead and continue listening without feeling uncomfortable or getting triggered by anything because at the end of the day your safety is more important than the few opinions we have on one or two television shows. I don't have anything else to add so enjoy the episode and have fun! Hello everyone and welcome to Deep Space Gay! I'm Paula. And I'm Alex. And we're your two hosts. Get it. Do it. Engage. Fascinating. Steady as she goes. And we're super excited to be here today. No reason whatsoever. We just really like recording episodes for you. Um, today we have a little bit of a character episode planned for you again, uh, like we did with Uhura. If you haven't listened to that, you might, you know, want to go back and do that because I think it was one of our, like, intense history episodes and I kind of always like those because I like learning new stuff and who's the person who always teaches us the history and the historic context and the importance of representation? Yeah. It's Alex. So she's going to explain to you what we're going to do today and then we can just go ahead and get started. Yes, um, today we're going to talk about the first helmsman of the USS Enterprise, at least in not even like in historical order, because in chronological order there was, of course, um, other people. Travis. Yeah, <laughs> Travis. But also, I'm, I'm assuming there were other helmsmen between Travis and the character we're talking about today, Hikaru Sulu. Because, you know, there was some time between these two yes. shows, <laughs> at least in like in the Star Trek universe. And what we're going to do today is I will give you a little bit of information on who Hikaru Sulu is. I'm also going to talk about US American history, specifically um, the history like starting with the immigration in the mid 19th century and going all like into the 1950s um, with the internment camps of Japanese American people. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about George Takei, who um, nowadays is known as not only the actor of Hikaru Zulu, but also a publicly outspoken gay man. And after all of this, we're going to, as we did with the Uhura episode, we're going to t um, decide which episodes with Hikaru Zulu are our top five episodes in the original series. Yep, that's the plan. <laughs> and I'm going to go right in. Um, this is the part I think where pa Paula can also say the most <laughs> when it comes to like history stuff, because she didn't research um, the history stuff with like the internment camps and everything. And I'm going to jump right in with who is Hikaru Zulu. Um, he is, as I said before, the pilot and helmsman of the USS Enterprise, known 
especially from the series, the original series, Star Trek. <laughs> and he was born in San Francisco. So he's an Asian American man. He in like he started out as a pilot and helmsman and in 2020, 90, no, 2020-90. This is such a weird... 2290? 2290. Yeah, that sounds so much better. He became the captain of the USS Excelsior. So he was promoted in that year. Um, his hobbies are mostly piloting and we're ta not talking... Yeah, it, that's what it says on like the <laughs> memory alpha page and I'm committed to this. <laughs> but apparently not only like, I don't know, spaceships, but also planes, like current and historic planes, current in terms of like current in the future current and with historic things we for example see this in um, a voyage home star trek 4 where he's allowed to play the not to play he's playing the helicopter <laughs> do you also want to play a helicopter paula always yeah he's piloting the helicopter and he's super excited about it he also collects antique firearms as many people on like the original series do which is kind of weird um he's really interested in sword play and um, he's like really into self-defense techniques, mostly judo. And he's also an avid botanist. Anything yeah. you want to, I don't know, add on? No, I think you covered him pretty well. Yeah. Just the basics. <laughs> he's also really, really great friends with Pavel Chekhov and Nyota Uhura. And later on, he has a daughter, the Mora Sulu, which was born in... Who was born, maybe? Mm. <clears throat> who was born i don't know she's not yeah. really an object <laughs> <laughs> no she isn't um which was born <laughs> i did it again <laughs> was born in 2271 and she is the only daughter of a tos main character which is interesting because all, everyone else either didn't have kids or they only had sons um his character or personality has been described as sarcastic ingenuitive friendly he's quite open-minded he's really caring about like especially his friends and his close colleagues and he's also not afraid to speak up against authority which can for example be seen in the last tos episode where kirk involuntarily switches bodies like bodies with his ex-girlfriend and she's doing all kinds of crazy shit in Kirk's body. And Zulu is like, no, that's not okay. What the fuck are you doing? I mean, he doesn't say it like that. But it's like what he wants to, her, like what he wants her to know. Um, it's also described, which I found really hilarious, which I want to say. It's like the last information I want to give on Hikaru Zulu. He's described as a city person, like urban lifestyle. <laughs> because, and I quote... That's what he says in one of the Star Trek episodes. When it comes to farms, I wouldn't know what looked right and what looked wrong if it were two feet away from me. So that apparently is really important to the memory alpha page. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. And I mean, they're I always giving us the useful information. That's true. But at the same time, I'm like, isn't he a botanist? Shouldn't he know, like, especially on a farm, That's like certain things? That's exactly what I thought. I'm trying to remember. Was it in the episode where they're on that planet and um, they get infected by the spores? Damn, we should have maybe covered that in our last episode. Now that I think about it, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, basically, like where they're on that planet and Spock is like in love with a woman all of a sudden. Like maybe that's you know they're like on. The, it's basically a farm community. Maybe that's when he said yeah. that. I don't know. Yes, that's definitely the episode um, where they're on this farm and everyone gets sprayed by these plants, flowers, things. 
Yeah. And they all act crazy. And Spock is in a weird sexual relationship with that one lady. It's a great episode. Yeah. Very uncomfortable to watch <laughs> yet again. But also kind Consent of Consent was not really a thing they did back in the day, huh? No. <laughs> it's something a lot of people don't do these days. But that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think now, because, I mean, a lot of people know who Hikaru Sudo is. I don't want to go into too much detail, especially since there isn't that much known on him outside of, like, what is known as canon in the series and the films. So what I would want to do now is just go right into um, Asian American history, if that's cool with you. Yeah, that's definitely cool with me. Like I said, I'm here to learn. <laughs> okay. Um, before we, I, like before I start, I just wanted to like open a little conversation up on the term internment camps. This is something I will talk about later with um, the internment camps of Japanese American people in the United States in the Second World War. And the word internment is something that apparently is highly discussed because a lot of people prefer incarceration or detention centers. Um, especially since internment camp is usually something that people connect with, I don't know, enemies of the state. So, for example, in World War II, if there were German soldiers who were captured in the Soviet Union or who were captured in France, these people were brought into internment camps. At the same time, a lot of people seem to like stay with the term internment camp. And I've read a few differing opinions on that. And I think Paula and I both decided that we will stay with like the internment camp Um Discrimi like not discrimination description um i don't know because i think it's the most widely known term for like what happened back in the day yeah that's what i learned too i think when we talked about that briefly in um history lessons yep okay so as i said before i'm not going to jump right in with like the march 18th 1942 i'm gonna start about a hundred years earlier And um, in the 1850s, the first people from China immigrated to the United States of America. So a lot of people say that this is the start of Asian American immigration. And um, the first information I found on like something that was less about people immigrating, more about a certain, I don't know, event that happened was in 1850, the legal case of People versus Hall. The name, I don't know what the first name of this man was because I couldn't find it, but he, his last name is Hall and he was accused of murder of Ling Sing, who was a Chinese immigrant um, who came to the United States. And apparently in this trial, there was a really strong connotation that a lot, like what the Chinese people, there were three Chinese men who testified in court. And all of that three testimonials were just simply ignored. So that was the first sign that Chinese people who immigrated to the United States didn't really have that many rights and that their voices and opinions were usually ignored. And this continues with the Naturalization Act in 1870, where Asian people were since then not be, like able to receive citizenship for a certain amount of time. So the discrimination went from more of a social thing and in, in turned into a state rule and state legislation and that was even i don't know deepened in 1882 where you have the chinese exclusion act which banned chinese immigration for over 10 years so that was something similar to what donald trump tried to do in his um i don't know how do you say mess of a presidential <laughs> time 
And it's similar what he wanted to do or wanted to, I don't know, achieve with Muslim people. Even saying that sounds so stupid because, as we know, being Muslim is a religion <laughs> and not a state. But okay, he doesn't know that because he's a racist idiot. And um, this whole thing with the Chinese Exclusion Act only deepened with in 1885 to 1886 with anti-Chinese rights in Washington. And that happened, like, the, I don't know, main point for that was the October 24th, 1885, where the Chinatown in Seattle, Seattle was lit on fire and it basically burned down entirely. And that resulted in violent riots against Chinese people in the entire state of Washington. And that only, I think, shows that even in, like, a time period where we talk a lot about African-American rights, of which... It, is absolutely important. There's also this huge part of discrimination and racism against Asian people. And I even hate saying like Asian people as if it were like every as mm -hmm. Asian person is the same. But in this case, like it's it's really difficult to differentiate because sometimes it's not entirely clear which people from which countries started immigrating when into the United States. And this goes on into the into the 20th century in 1905 where we have the anti-Japanese anti movement. And that was the first, I don't know, public legislation that basically excluded Japanese and um, Korean people to start working and start being active in labor unions, which later on, of course, has the effect that um, Korean people and Japanese people don't get the representation when it comes to labor laws and labor mm -hmm. regulations and all these things that protect I don't know, workers from big companies. In 1907, this anti-Japanese, how is it called? Korean and Japanese Exclusion League ha was expanded to Asian Exclusion Act. Um, that was in reaction of the, like, starting Indian immigration in the United States. So they wanted to, like, they, as in the United States government, wanted to make sure that people from all over Asia who immigrated into the United States were excluded from not only labor unions, but also working like protection rights and all these kind of things that actually secure a position and secure human rights for people when they are working for a company or I don't know even the state and now in like the first world war there was a lot of I don't know tension we have anti-immigration acts discrimination and um, at the same time we have a lot of uh, Asian American people fighting in world war one so there's this tension between respecting the soldier and discriminating Asian people. And that basically went through the entire, I don't know, First World War. And after that, it didn't really get that much better. And this is where we end up in 1941, which a lot of people know is the year um, Pearl Harbor happened. And that's the starting point of what we're going to talk about now is like the internment camps and how Asian American, especially Japanese American people were mistreated. I don't know, do you have anything to you want to know to this history lessons before we start with like the internment camps? Well, the only thing I was going to say is that I didn't know it was like this bad in a systemic way. I thought like, obviously, I know there's still to this day a lot of racism against Asian people and Asian Americans. But I didn't know that it was like a systemic thing that they made sure that these people were excluded and exploited. And I just absolutely deplorable this that makes me pretty sad 
Yeah, it's it's really sad, especially since we don't really learn about that. I mean, yeah. I sometimes I think, okay, we don't learn about this because, of course, our school system in Germany is built on a Eurocentric um, viewpoint. Of course, we don't learn about that. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. I highly doubt that a lot of U.S. American people are learning these things about their own history. I mean, that's a problem a lot of people are aware of. And I think it's just so depressing to see that this systematic discrimination and racism has started the moment Chinese people started immigrating to the U.S. Yeah, it's so weird because like the U.S., they pride themselves on being a melting pot of different cultures and that like immigrants get it done. And then you see that the moment new people come into the country, they're like trying their hardest to exclude them. Yeah, I mean, it really shows that melting pot in this case only means white people of different European descents. Yeah, It's exactly. It's not about other cultures that aren't mm -hmm. European. Yeah. So yeah, that's really sad. But as I said before, now we're going to start with the whole internment camp issue. And I don't know, this is something I think that's really important to the history also of Hikaru Zulu as George Takei, who played Hikaru Zulu, was when he was a child in these internment camps. This is not something he was excluded from because later on he became an actor. This is something that is an integral part of his personal history. So I don't know. It's just, I think, especially as a German person, we have a really difficult history with like concentration camps and labor camps and realizing that these kind of things, even if they weren't in a, I don't know, it wasn't a genocide, but it was still something that was so incredibly bad and it was systemic and it was like putting people into camps because they were from a different, I don't know, like ethnicity or culture. And I don't know, it just feels kind of weird to me to th even think about that because a lot of, like, we get a lot of shit for World War II, righteously. But at the same time, I think a lot of Americans sometimes need to reflect on their own history a bit more. So yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult topic, I think. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. Okay. So um, for those of you who don't know, for maybe you just don't remember or you haven't learned it yet, um, just like a little explanation, World War II happened. <laughs> it started <laughs> in the late 1930s. And um, in World War II, there was, I don't know, there were so many different, how do you say, Bündnisse? Oh, um, alliances. Alliances, yeah. And um, the biggest, like, one of the biggest alliances, like, allies of Germany or Nazi Germany was um, the, like, state of Japan. And on December 7, 1941, um, Japanese troops and Japanese, fi like, fighter planes, I think that's what they're called, I'm not sure, like, yeah. planes, um, attacked the Hawaiian, like, port of Pearl Harbor which resulted in, I don't know, like in a catastrophic event. It's like a lot of people died. And in response to this, the United States started participating in World War II. That's basically the biggest reason why the United States got active. And it's one of the biggest turning point of World War II. And in response of Pearl Harbor, which of course happened because Japanese people attacked or the Japanese military attacked American soil, Franklin Roosevelt created the War Relocation Authority, which later on created internment camps. And that happened on um, March 18th, 1942. And due to this, I don't know, War Re Relocation Authority, a lot of people, a lot of Japanese-American people, almost every Japanese-American person living in the United States at that point was forced to relocate into an internment camp. And when I say relocate, it was not like they were allowed to take their stuff and leave. It was more like 
like pack a bag, get into this car and then just go to this, I don't know, main point where everyone else goes. And then later on, you will be shipped more inland to an internment camp. And in the United States and on the mainland, you had 10 internment camps. Most of them were either on the East Coast or the West Coast. And um, the reason why Japanese American people were forced to go there was mostly because they were suspected of separate, like suspected saboteurs or suspected of espionage. And what I find really interesting is the website I found it on is like part um, from like a history, like a, how do you say, um, a collection, like it's collected by multiple history museums. And it's also like a lot of um, people working nowadays working in the US government are also writing on that like website. And they stated that the federal investigations, which happened after like the end of World War II, and especially nowadays, showed that only 3% of Japanese American people were even considered direct threats to the United States. Nevertheless, almost every Japanese American person was forced to go into these internment camps and to stay there for the entirety of World War II, which was three years. And all of this, it's like really difficult and really colluded, colluded and like complex. But basically there was this like big tension between the secretary of war and you had like secretaries who um, are like of civil rights and like civil, I don't know, protection. And a lot of people nowadays even ask themselves, how could that happen? How could someone force people like systematically force people into internment camps and I think one really like direct answer to this was John J. McCloy who was the assistant secretary of war and he said and that's like quoted from I don't know like an interview from what I've heard if it came to a choice between national security and the guarantee of civil liberties expressed in the constitution the constitution is just considered a scrap of paper oh my god that's terrible. It's, it's awful. So he basically dismissed the entirety of what I think a state prides itself on, like a lawful constitution. And he just said, at the end of the day, this is the United States versus everyone else. And if someone gets hurt by that and loses like their civil liberties and their human rights, we don't care. That is um, terrible. It is awful. So, yeah. Yeah, damn. So they basically weren't a Rechtsstaat anymore. I don't know what that word is in English, but we have a big debate about that in the European Union right now. Yeah, let me, you can talk, maybe explain what's happening and I will Google what Rechtsstaat is. Okay, so some current history that's happening right now is that in the European Union, they wanted to pass a law that basically means that you can only um, get funds for like the Corona crisis so that they can help you with funds if you agree to be a Rechtsstaat, which Alex is looking up right now, which means that basically you have a law, a constitution, and um, that is, you know, like, you live by that, and those are the rules. That's basically it. What's it called? Um, Like, there's, like, non... Like, not a translation, mm. translation, but you can either say a rule of law or a state under the rule of law or a constitutional state. Yeah, basically just a constitutional state, and I think. Yeah. And um, so, like, every single member of the European Union agreed to pass that law, except for Poland and Hungary, um, two states that have drifted more and more into, like, a extremist, um, just right political position, which is really bad. For example, 
Poland has um, abolished all abortion laws. So like basically it's illegal to get an abortion in Poland. And in Hungary we've seen like a shift to the right as well. And it's it's terrible because like the leaders in the European Union do not really know what to do now because yeah, no one's getting money because of this right now. And yeah, we've we've been talking about that a lot recently and yeah, I just you know, I just thought of that. How important yeah. it is to be constitutional state because it's literally the the minimum to be like a democracy is to have a constitution and to abide by the law yeah and this like this whole thing like his quote and i think a lot of like the attitude con like con of these people who decided that the uh, war relocation authority should exist really reminds me of why i like highly debate with people if the united states of america are or like or were ever a democracy Yeah. Because even though something has a constitution, if you exclude, I don't know, 85% of the people living in that state and use them either like ignore them because they're women, because they're Asian, because they're black, that's not a democ democracy. That These are not dem democratic ideals. That would be like, I mean, the same goes for Germany. We didn't yeah. have that until the end of the Second World War. And I don't know, that's just really made me think about the attitude a lot of like Americans, US Americans in the past shown towards minorities. And it's just, it's really difficult. And one thing I want to end up, uh, not end up, add up um, on the whole like issue with Poland is also that at the moment there's a huge movement against LGBTQIA plus rights. Oh yeah, of course. So um, there have been, of course, there's a lot of like, I don't know, um, lot like there's lots of demonstrations against these people who decide that I don't know queer rights shouldn't exist, but there's also a huge like movement in government and also in the state itself and like with the church that says that queer people shouldn't have rights, shouldn't be allowed to, I don't know, marry and adopt and all these kind of things. The United like not the United Unions, they're also them, but the European Union has fought for and especially queer people in the European Union have fought for for so long, and that's also a huge issue yeah yeah so yeah it's like these things it always you always have to find these connections because i think history a lot of people say that history repeats yeah. itself and people don't necessarily learn so okay going back into the 1940s um i just wanted to say in february 1942 which was before Frank franklin rose i don't know how to say his name i don't even know why roosevelt Frank roosevelt his first name franklin, franklin? yeah Yeah. <laughs> Before he created that whole war relocation authority, he um, enacted 12 restricted zones along the Pacific coast. And these restricted zones basically were even more discriminatory against like Asian American people, Japanese American people. And there was also a nighttime curfew established for Japanese American people, which is just like a sign of like systematic discrimination. So... We go on and on March 31st, 1942, the order to report to control station was, I don't know, given. And people, Japanese American people had to go to, I don't know, control stations and register by names. All of their family members, every Japanese American person had to go there and basically sign up. Every person like in their family and friend group. Which remi also reminded me of something. Yeah, where that, have I heard that before, hmm, huh? Yeah, in Nazi Germany. Because yeah. in Nazi Germany, fun little anecdote of my grandma. She was born in 1928. So she was a child when World War II happened. And she remembered going to school. 
And her dad, who was also in the war, so he wasn't home a lot because he was part of like a member of the military, he had to fill in a form with their family tree that basically stated that they were not Jewish people. You had to prove like three generations. Mm. So you had to prove that every, like the three generations before you, none of them were Jewish because if you were, you probably ended up in a concentration camp because that's how fascism works. So this whole thing with registrating and being sent to... Uh, registering, right? Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing with registering and, I don't know, being sent into an internment camp just doesn't feel good. I don't know. No, not at all. Not at all. No? No. So yeah, that's also something that went really wrong. And um, yeah, they basically at these control stations, they were told like these people were told the date of relocation. And at the end of the day, more than 120,000 Japanese American people were brought into 10 internment camps all over the United States. And these are only in the mainland. I mean, especially on Hawaii, Hawaii, where you had a lot of like immigration from ja like Japan and also Asia in general. There were also more internment camps with like a high number of people. And these camps existed for three years. And people described this as an atmosphere of tension, suspicion and despair. And if you want to like know more about this, I can personally recommend like maybe looking up George Takei and internment camp mm -hmm. on YouTube because there's some really good interviews where he talks about his time there. And I think listening from like firsthand experience is always the best way to learn about these kinds of situations. So yeah, and then later on, after almost three years, there was on um, December 18th, 1944, they there was this decision that all the relocation centers should be closed by the end of 1945 so they i don't know kept their promise that these internment camps would only last for the entire time of the war which in itself is just really fucked up because you should like know like not that they stop being internment camps but like why do they exist in the first place and the last one closed which was in Chule lake california closed in march 1946 and like the sad part is, is especially a lot of like Japanese American people lost their homes, their belongings, contact to family members, friends, communities, all these kind of things, which basically make up a human's life. And a lot of these people had to start reclaiming and rebuilding their lives. And a lot of them didn't really have a place to go back to. So mm -hmm. they uprooted an entire culture inside like a subculture inside the United States. They uprooted an entire generation of Japanese American people. And that's just really sad. And not enough people are talking about this, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Damn, that was very heavy. But yeah, it's necessary to talk about these things yet again. Because yeah, people need to know. People need to reflect on history so that we can maybe prevent that happening in the future. And just as I say it, I remember that there's literally like internment camps right now where they put um the refugees right um yeah. the um the US i mean you mean um, the US but i was thinking of so many different internment camps which just is not a great thing because i was think first i thought you were talking about the chinese internment camps oh, where they yeah. put muslim people in or maybe the internment camps in russia where they put quirk people in <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought of the US and the people coming from Mexico and yeah. being in pa uh, cages and they're literally being gassed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah maybe we, if we could, you know, all talk about that and all reflect on that, I don't know. Just We can only hope it's gonna get better. 
Yeah, I th- that's like the thing. We always hope that it gets better. But I think talking about that and actually reflecting on the behavior actually brings change with it. And I'm not talking... Like, the thing is, we're, there's not much we can do as German people with situations that are in, like, China, Russia, yeah. the United States. Because it's very far away. But, like, us having this conversation, I think, is also really important. Because sometimes people just don't know about that. Because there's so much happening and I'm not just saying because it's 2020, even in 2017, so much was happening. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just glad we had this conversation and I just hope that people maybe reflect on this. And for example, what I had to think about was also Donald Trump being like, I don't know which year it was, maybe the first or second year of his presidency. Is that how you say it? President? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah presidency. <laughs> you learned something. But yeah, he like, do you, I don't know if you remember that, but when he was like, yeah, maybe all Muslim people should sign up in a registry. Yep, I do remember that. How fucked up was that? And Extremely why did people fucked up. T- stop talking about that? I don't know, man. Because there's a lot of stuff um, that happened afterwards, which was hmm. bad or worse. And uh, yeah, damn, there is a lot of stuff happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, most of a bet, but yeah. yeah if we're done with our history lesson, which I don't know, hmm? I think we're done with our history lesson. I think it's time to go into something a little bit more happy because this yeah. was super super heavy. Um, maybe I should just keep talking about George Takei and sure his gay like him being gay. It's not much, but <laughs> and gay. <laughs> the, you know the, the title of this podcast. You know it's gonna be gay. Yeah, it's very gay. Um, yeah, it's not much. I just wanted to say that um, Georgie K came out in 2005. And um, I, I don't know if the term coming out is real term because he said it's not really coming out, which suggests opening a door and stepping through it. It's more like a long, long walk through what began as a narrow, cor- narrow corridor that starts to widen. So maybe it's less a coming out and more of him like acknowledging publicly that yeah. he's gay and he's been in a relationship with Brad Altman since 1985 they met in like a running club from what I understood or maybe <laughs> it was just a gay club and they'd like going for runs and he has been silent on being queer or like being in the closet for almost his entire career at this point till 2005 because he was always afraid of ruining his career and that's maybe something you can also talk about in a minute about gay mm-hmm. actors and I want to talk about like, that at the end of this episode because, like, you kind of spoiled a little bit of my um of my fuck <laughs> fuck this week. But yeah, I'm definitely gonna talk about it at the end of this week because okay. on Monday I had a full on meltdown about that topic. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's something we can all look forward to. So yeah, he came out in 2005. He and um, Brett Altman got married in 2008 in California because it was legal back then <laughs> in that state. And um, what I find really adorable, yeah, bless them, that's amazing. And what I find really adorable is that Walter Koenig was his best man, and Michelle Nichols was the best woman. And she said apparently Aww. to him, she was like, "If Walter can be the best man, I can be the best woman." That is amazing. That's so on brand for her, honestly. Yes. And she was just supposed to be the maid of honor or something, and she was like, "No, I'm the best woman," and I love that. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, that's like George Decay. I don't want to go into too much detail. Detail. He's now nowadays he's really active in like queer projects, and he's like an outspoken supporter of gay rights and queer rights, and he's really active in calling Donald Trump an idiot on Twitter. It's highly yeah. entertaining. I always so, delight in that when I see it. Yeah, and I don't know. He's just a really, really a nice man, and I thought, yeah, happy note. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know, there's a lot we can talk about this, and I think one thing I also want to talk about in the future is the entire situation with gay Zulu in Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. But I don't want can. to do this today because it would take away from George Takei and maybe Asian American history, and maybe mm -hmm. that's something we can talk about once we start talking about the AOS movies. I th yeah, I think that's a good idea because there's a lot to tackle there and more systemic homophobia yet again, which we're all looking forward to talking about. Damn, you guys don't know how bad it was this Monday. Like, I'm going to explain later, but Alex, she was there, obviously. She had to she had to witness. She had to yeah. listen to me rant and being moody all day. It just, yeah. Maybe maybe tell us if when you experience a similar thing, if you like react really badly as well and get like really, really extremely angry. I want to know if I'm the only person that gets like really affected by literally other people's lives. Like, of course, it kind of affects me as well in a way in which I am also queer and, you know, but yeah, I will explain later. So now do you think we can talk about our favorite Sulu moments dash episodes? Definitely, because I think it's time for, like for happier thoughts and happy yep. stuff and acknowledging the awesome character that Hikoru Zulu is. So yeah. maybe, how do we want to do this? Do you want to start with maybe your number five? Number five. Um, just like last time, I didn't number mine because <sighs> there's. I, I always have a hard time deciding which <laughs> one's better than the other one. You know that. You know. I like. I'm gonna pick five favorite things and then you know. Um, so yeah, like some of this will overlap with episodes that we've done before because he yeah. doesn't like in the TOS um, series, he wasn't, he wasn't too, um, prominent. Like obviously he was mostly there and he was the helmsman, but he didn't always have like a very prominent role in the episodes. And we all know why that is William Shatner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my first one um, that we've already talked about is Shardif, obviously, where he just finds the gun and goes with it yes. and just fires it and doesn't give a shit because he's having a grand <laughs> old time. Like Alex said, he is an avid collector of um, historic weaponry and yeah, that's his thing. And he thought, oh, cool. I always wanted to have this gun. And then he just fired it. I just think that's great. Yeah, no, that's that's a good choice. Especially since it's also my number five. And I only wrote down funny slash botanist interests. So I was like, he's funny in that episode. And yeah. he likes plants. <laughs> yeah, he has a grand time with the plants. Yeah, no, that's a great. That's great. Yeah, I love that we have, once again, one brain cell. Yeah, we're that's strong, you know. We're the same. We're connected. <laughs> <laughs> and now the unhingedness begins. I'm very sorry. <laughs> oh, damn. It had to it had to happen yeah, at some point. It. We've had a long day. It's pretty it's way later in the day that we record this episode than we usually do. It's like almost yeah. eight PM. Yeah. And usually we record this like we try and record this either like before noon or like at 
like in the early af afternoon but mm. today we've had some visitors which is le uh, is legal here by the way like and we were yeah. very very careful we didn't meet anyone else like yeah, for the last yeah. eight weeks literally for the last eight weeks we <laughs> haven't seen any other people and yeah it was great but it was yeah. also kind of exhausting yeah so. because we're not used to having people around anymore because i think like i don't have to explain it's a 2020 mood yeah so yeah it's a 2020 so, mood yeah okay so should i just say my number four yeah okay my number four is not a tos episode I I busted through the restraints of the system and I was like, Did my you? number four is A Voyage Home, the fourth Star Trek film. Amazing. Yep. That, if you haven't seen the movie, do yourself the favor and Google Hikaru Zulu, A Voyage Home, and you will find the best, gayest outfit to ever exist in the 80s. It's It's like a leather jacket meets a cape and it's amazing and he looks so great in it. And it just brings me joy. I mean, the movie itself just brings it's me so much It's the greatest movie joy. in the world. Yes. Um, also, I now own a Voyage <laughs> Home shirt that Alex gave me for my birthday. And yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to post it on Twitter at some point. I don't know why I haven't yet, except for that we've been extremely busy. Um, but yeah, you'll love it because I loved it as well. I literally couldn't control my like grinning happiness when I opened the present. But can I tell you something? Hmm. I put down the same. <laughs> I have an honorary mention for the voyage home because the outfit is great. And like one of my favorite moments in like the whole movie is when he gets to fly the chopper. Yes. And like he has so much joy and like the whole scene is just so hilarious. Like obviously it's like the funniest greatest most amazing movie in the entire world it's literally my favorite movie like <laughs> and also like it's just so hilarious and yeah his outfit is so great and but like wasn't he already wearing the outfit in um such a spark he was wearing it where they bust mccoy out of the uh, mental institute yeah yeah, yeah institution but like, but the thing is, the context is different. The t context has changed. He's not yeah. in the future anymore where no one cares. He's in the 1980s and he's just wearing that outfit and he's striding around San Francisco yeah. where he, as he mentions a lot of times, is born. And yeah, that is also so line. funny. Born yeah. and raised. <laughs> born and raised, yeah. Urban city lifestyle, you know? Yeah, and there it is. <laughs> the most urban city is. in the world, San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I just know it's just like, like I just once again one brain cell. Yeah, yeah. Here we are again, and I'm pretty sure yeah. that the next time that I'm gonna read to you is something that we also both have, um, because it's the naked time. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's my number three. <laughs> Why yeah, did we um, even do this separately? <laughs> I don't know. We always do this separately because we think that maybe we have different opinions, which we never kind of actually have. <laughs> like on very, very few things. And if it ever happens, then it's actually like quite amazing and like maybe not amazing, but um, surprising to us because like we literally think the same about anything. Yeah. So, um. Well. Yeah. Obviously. Um. <laughs> the Naked Time is a great episode. We he like loses all his inhibitions. Um. As you learned. Um. If you listen to the last episode, if not, then go back and listen to it because I think <laughs> it was actually really funny and very yeah. unhinged as well. So. Yeah. Maybe you want to. Um. Yeah. He like, just strides around the Enterprise half naked and um fencing, and he tries to <laughs> kidnap Uhura for some reason and. <laughs> It, it's a great episode. Like, just, it's definitely worth a watch. 
Yeah. So I just love, yeah, once again, one brain cell. And I I don't really have anything to add on except for yeah. fancy fencing. Yeah. Yeah. Happy fencing. Okay. So great. this is, I'm going to go with like my number two. And mm-hmm. I think that might be the only one we have differently, separately. I'm not entirely sure because my second like number two is the enemy within. Yeah, I don't have that one. You don't. Wow. It happened. (laughs) (laughs) So what I really love, like, for those of you who don't know the episode, it's like where there is like a transporter accident and you have the weird dog with the horn and you have evil Kirk and nice Kirk. And it's just like, it's really entertaining. And you also have Zulu and some other people from the Enterprise and crewmen trapped on like a planet that gets colder and colder. And as I was reading through Memory Alpha, I was reading th- through a lot of dialogue he had with, like, Kirk. And he's talking about, like, yeah, they're just, like, sassy and, like, really sarcastic. He's like, yeah, I just wanted to check in with room service and these kind of things. And I think it's hilarious. And he also has this, <laughs> and it's not an obsession, but it's love with this alien, which looks, I mean, it's a dog. We all know it's a dog, but no, it's an alien. And it has a horn, like, I don't know how they it's put it It's a uni on. dog. It's a uni dog. <laughs> it's amazing it's like my best friend in the world and he just have to has this connection to this dog and i don't know i love his sassy attitude how he's getting a little bit frosty not in this character but like in his outward appearance because mm-hmm. he at some point wraps like a blanket around him and he literally looks like he's freezing to like he's con- getting connected with the rock he's lying next to and yeah. it's just hilarious and that's why it's my number two because he just has so many good moments in the episode yeah, it's a really good one. That's true. Um, I really liked watching it as well. No, um, my number two, or I guess the next one on my list, is <laughs> Mirror Mirror, actually. And because, oh. like, um, I really like that we see, like, the different, obviously the evil Nazi version of um, Sulu. And I think I kind of really like to see that. Because I think that, you know, um, George Takei might have had a lot of time, uh, fun, a lot of time a lot of fun <laughs> shooting that episode because he gets to be off the rails just like you know just very different from his character but kind of still his character i think i i really like watching that and you know like the whole thing between him and who obviously it's kind of yet again very uncomfortable like but at the same time it's kind of fascinating to watch i think mm-hmm. you know with like the knife and like the back and forth and he's evil and yeah i don't know i just i just really like that episode in general, no, Mirror Mirror is a great episode. It's a really good episode, and it just shows how much fun he like had on set in yep. specific ep- episodes. It really showed his range. Okay, so which is the, in my case, number one, but which is your like last episode you chose? It's not a TOS episode, and it's not TOS related at all. Surprise, Damn. surprise. It's a nope. Voyager episode. It's flashback, um, season three, episode two, and it's really great because it shows, it basically shows um, all the things that happen to um, Frick. Is it an undiscovered country um, when um, you know the Klingons accuse um, Jim and Bones of the murder oh. is it? of their ambassador and. Yeah. I think it's an undescript. No, don't. it's Star Trek Six, right? It's Star Trek Six, but I don't know what the title of the film is. Let me well, check while you keep. Talking. Should have done more research, but um, anyway, yeah, it's like it's a flashback, and it's basically um an episode where Janeway mind melts with Tuvok. Um, I'm not gonna ex- like obviously Captain Janeway. She's the captain of the um 
of the Voyager and then Tuvok, he's the um, technical security officer. He's a Vulcan and so they might melt because he's having like this weird, they think it might be a disease and like he sees a little girl like falling to her death. It's like, it's kind of confusing in the beginning, but then you see like a lot of things from his, um, from his past because they basically just relive more um, of the most memorable moments of his life and like show his career in Starfleet and whatnot. And one, like he served under Sulu on the US Ex Excelsior. And I like I was so incredibly delighted when I watched that episode. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, it's Sulu. This is so amazing. And he's the captain. And like Rand was there too. You, remember Yeoman Rand? She was a commander. Yes. Like he gives oh, an amazing. order to him. Wait, yeah, I spoiled the episode for you, but doesn't matter. Oh, it's not, um, it, like, it's fine. For those of you who don't know, I, like, I haven't watched Voyager yet. I've seen a few episodes with my mom, but I'm, like, I mean, the shows are 30 years old. That's on me. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And, yeah, like, I just think it's, like, really cool what he does, because he's, like, he defies direct orders from Starfleet, and, um, you know, he goes, Damn. he tries to go looking for his friends who've been um, taken by the Klingons to the prison that is so cool asteroid comet whatever thing yeah and it is an undiscovered country it is an undiscovered country yeah. yes no, i kind of technically and cool. I, I know what like the thing is called but this thing i don't know my brain's not working i mean it's basically all. gulag yeah I, I i don't know what they call it but yeah no that's so cool i did not know this exists of course yeah. because obviously because i haven't seen the show yet and that's a really good choice yes yeah solid Okay, so my choice, we've talked about this episode before. It was one of our first thematic episodes, and it's Amok time. Yep. And the reason for that is because I just love the, like, I don't know, he's funny AF in the episode. He's so hilarious and how he's getting more and more annoyed, but at the same time is slightly amused with the whole, we have to go there, and then we have to go back to Wolken, and then yeah. we have to go there again, and then we have to go back to Wolken. It's just hilarious, and I really love the little quips he has with um, Chekhov. It really, like, portrays their friendship in a really nice way. Like, we all can relate to this. Sometimes you just have to, I don't know, exchange sarcastic comments with the person sitting next to you. Yeah. Because life can be, like, stressful, and you need to have an outlet. Yeah, and sometimes your bosses are annoying, too, you know? Yeah. You need to or vent you, like, to someone. Your teachers. If you, if you, for example, a little bit younger and you haven't worked yet, like teachers, for example, or parents, if you have siblings. We all know this. Yeah. 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 Somewhere or another. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, these were our top five. This time we yeah. were a little bit faster than like with Uhura. But I think the reason for that is that, I don't know, Zulu is less fleshed out as a character. Yeah. And Sadly. I think we know more about Asian American history than we do about like, I don't know. Kenyan history so I think that was why we were a little bit faster so I would suggest we go on onto the fuck Mary kill section of the podcast yeah let's do it um, for those of you who don't know we obviously uh, play uh, fuck Mary kill with different rules and our first option to choose from is this person has to be your lab partner for an entire semester the second one is you're trapped in an elevator with them for 10 hours and the third one is they're your employee trainer at mcdonald's or like a fast food restaurant yes yes okay should i start giving you my three names yes okay the first character we have is Chekhov from the tos timeline okay tos Chekhov. didn't we have him before i don't know probably <laughs> The second person I have is Chekhov from the AOS timeline. <laughs> and the third person is Chekhov from the Mirrorverse timeline. 
have fun. <laughs> Stroke of um, genius. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Yeah. Um, okay. This is kind of hard to think about. I'm trying to think of where I could put Chekhov from the Mirrorverse because we know that he's up for killing people. He obviously, in the episode, <laughs> he tried to um, assassinate Kirk, which is where he was put in the agonizer booth. Um, yeah, as one that is just casual torture. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be like the tagline for um, Amazon's Lord of the Rings series: casual torture. <laughs> Both for the characters and the viewer. Uh, yeah. I, at some point, I will need to vent about this. Maybe when it comes out. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because obviously I can't say too much about it yet, except for what we read online. Doesn't matter. Um. So basically, I think I'm gonna put him, and um, I'm gonna have him be my employee trainer because I feel like that's a quite the supervised environment, right? Like, if he tried to kill me, <laughs> probably someone else would notice. <laughs> Or maybe maybe I could um, defend myself with hot, like, oil, like, frying oh, yeah. oil or something. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's, that's like, that's an environment um, where I could protect myself the best from him. <laughs> um, yeah. Who knows? But also, maybe he wouldn't want to kill me because I... Obviously, I'm like underneath his station. I like I'm beneath his station. Yeah. Also, I'm not in the mirrorverse, so hmm. yeah, I think I think that would probably be good. Like it would, or it would be the least bad option. I mean, yeah, you, yeah, in this position, you would be quite non-threatening. Yeah, so I would just would be like. Chances. Yeah, I would just be like a lowly employee. Yeah. Um. So the next one is, I think I would want to be trapped in an elevator with TOS Chekhov because <laughs> I think we would probably have a good time. Just like yeah. we could, we could just talk, and he could tell me something about maybe his um just life in general, like life mm -hmm. on the Enterprise, and about his friends and coworkers, and he could tell me about what it's like to be such a young. You know, upcoming, up and up and coming is what I wanted to say. Um, <laughs> officer on the ship. I think I think it would be really interesting. We could probably gossip a little bit about um, Kirk and Spock, and I don't know. I think yeah, I think it would be it would be fun. Just you know, imagine it to be really chill. Yeah. And um, then obviously AOS Chekhov is gonna be my choice for lab partner because <laughs> yet again, and I know I say that a lot, but like they portray these people as geniuses so he's a teen genius he's like literally a teen genius so i think um maybe I'd, no not maybe i definitely couldn't keep up with him like for sure i couldn't because he's very you know active maybe even hyperactive and knowledgeable and yeah i probably couldn't keep up with him but i th think you know that could be to my advantage when he just does all the work and i'm like sitting there being like Yeah, I for sure understand what you're talking about. <laughs> and I yeah, think he's so. also really just really nice and really he's, cute. And I think he's a great he's friend. He's super cute, yeah. He's yeah. adorable. Such an adorbs. Yeah. Um, like a puppy. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, those are my choices. Um, are you ready for yours? I don't know. Am I? 
<laughs> I don't know. Mine are pretty random today because okay. I couldn't think of anything. So yeah. I thought about just life in general and I was like, ah, yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my thought <laughs> process for everyone who wants to know. Um, okay. <laughs> so the first person I thought about was Sylvia Tilly. Um, oh, yes. Or, you know, mm-hmm. not to spoil everyone, but <laughs> number one on the uh, USS Discovery. Good for her. Yeah, the number one character. We love and <laughs> she adore. Is I mean, so there's so many great characters, but she's amazing. Yes. Okay. So the second one is Bradward Boimler. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my god. Yeah. Why did I not think about the um... lower decks? I mean, <laughs> because it's like it's kind of weird because it's animated. <laughs> so. Bradward. What is his name again? Bradward. 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 Yes. Bradward. I actually, I, I kind of, for some reason, I thought it was Bradford because I think that's a, like I think that's an actual like name, and yeah. Bradward obviously isn't. So I had to Google it. No, it's Bradward. Just Bradward. like Brad, like Brad Pitt and Ward, like Edward Cullen. <laughs> <laughs> that explains his complexion in the show. Like actually, look. yeah, that explains everything. <laughs> is he also glittery? We need to do some science. <laughs> Let's do some science. Um, yeah. and, the and the last, last person one? for you is Garrick. <laughs> Just Garrick. because I noticed that we've never had him before, and I yeah. love Garrick. I love seeing him on DS9. Like, legit, I really like just yeah. seeing him in episodes and interacting with people because he's just like, I, I just, I, yeah, I love everything about his character. So, yeah, there you go. No, that's a good choice. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I think the, hmm, <laughs> I think, damn, the problem I have is with Bradward. <laughs> I'm just gonna just call him Boyms or something. I don't know. Red no, Witch he's Bradward so now. From the, uh, form, formal. Yeah. No. What I the problem I have with Boimler is that I think as a lab partner he would be great, but at the same time I would like feel that maybe Tilly could also be an incredible. I don't know lab partner. Mm. I think as an employee trainer he just does not have the nerves. At least not yet. He's just like all over the place. Yeah, he's very nervous. And I don't know. I think he would go in some kind of shock once he's stuck in an elevator. I don't. I don't think he would take it well. From what we've seen so far, I think he would just die. And I don't like. I don't know first aid. <laughs> so um, I think he. No, he's going to be my lab partner. Okay. And because I don't know, he's like he's a Starfleet officer. He has a lot of input. He might not be the best, like most sciencey person in terms of like natural sciences. As, I mean. He does all kind of things as he's like an ensign, but yeah, you know. But I think yeah, that would be solid, and I think there is the least chance that he gets nervous breakdown. Yeah, and also <laughs> I, I think, think he's a very yeah he's a very like diligent worker, yes. so you could definitely depend on him to yeah. like do his part of the job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I think I would spend like that's like the thing I don't like. Garrick is at least I'm um, like in the beginning of season three of like Deep Space Nine. He's not the most trustworthy character, but I just love him so much. But I also just want to spend ten hours with Tilly, so I'm just gonna put him into my like. He's an employee trainer. I mean, he's a business owner. Yeah, he's also an alleged spy, which is so interesting. So you have could have really intense and cool conversations over like frying meat. Where he wouldn't say anything to you because yes. he's just evasive but I as fuck. I would try. I would try. I would be like. How about them Kardashians? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm gonna call them Kardashian because that's what we're at. So yeah, I think I will. Yeah, Tilly, she's amazing. She's yeah. cool. She's she. I know she's good with like tiny spaces, so she would not like not cool cool in terms of like I want to sleep in an elevator, but she wouldn't die immediately, which is yeah. a plus. And she's just like she's caring. She's amazing. She has a lot of like interesting interest interesting interests. 
-hmm. And she's just, in general, amazing. (laughs) So, yeah, that's my choice. Amazing choice. So, yeah. And now the moment we've all been waiting for. (laughs) I guess. Please, ladies and gentlemen, and all. Like, how does Thomas Anders always say, ladies, gentlemen, and luminary folks? I don't know. He has a term for that. But please, folks, get ready for the rant of the episode. Please open your ears. Relax. Grab some popcorn. Paula, who's your fuck fuck of this episode? Yes. So my fuck fuck this week, as I've teasered earlier, is, well, like to say it in a general term, it's stupid, homophobic, transphobic, queerphobic shows that make excuses for being so. Um, This is a very just like general thing. And I think I wouldn't have I wouldn't have elaborated on it much if we wouldn't have talked about that earlier. But basically, so okay, this is gonna this is gonna be long. I'm so sorry because Alex has to like cut this later. Oh well. Okay, so basically, <laughs> let's start right at the beginning. I like true crime, <laughs> which yeah. <laughs> so um, I I like crime shows and I like listening to like true crime podcasts and whatnot and um. So I'm always on the hunt for a good crime drama to watch, right? And lately, like, Netflix has been recommending stuff, obviously. And Alex doesn't like to watch um, crime dramas with me, I think. I don't know. I never asked her. But I always feel like that's a thing that I watch by myself. Because, like, I get very invested. And, like, Alex isn't, like, really a person for much, like, horror and stuff. And sometimes they can be quite horrible you know, if I think about, it's not really a crime drama, it's more like a horror show, but like if I think about Hannibal or Mindhunter, but I think you watched Mindhunter, right? No, did I did watch? not, because that's like a thing, I'm not, because I, th- I don't have a huge interest in like true crime, because I I think it's more interesting to me if it's like on a, like, if it has an impact on like go- governmental decisions and politics, but in, yeah. like in itself, I'm, I'm not someone who sits down and listens to a true crime podcast because I just don't have any interest in it. And that's why I usually don't watch a lot of like, murder mystery shows or like true crime shows yeah so basically but by the way i can like recommend mindhunter to everyone although they kind of just canceled it but it's a really really good show um i'm i digress this is gonna happen a lot (laughs) um yeah so i'm always like and you know on sunday night i was like alex um had like a phone date with some with a few of my friends people friends yeah and i was like great because now i have the time to sit in the living room by myself and watch a crime show and so like as i said netflix has been recommending me stuff and one of the things it has been recommending to me is the alienist and i think that is because netflix knows that i like the actor in the show uh uh, actors in the show which are um daniel brühl he's a german actor um but he's in you know quite a lot of um international stuff and Dakota Fanning and Luke Evans. And this this is kind of about Luke Evans because... So, um, damn. As you all know, we've been very into, like, all of the things, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and whatnot since, damn, I think, like, August or September or whatever. Like, mm. it's it's been a while. Um, and obviously that's, like, my main fandom. Like, that's the one thing that I grew up with and whatnot. And, you know, just, like... As you probably experience when you're queer, um, you're really happy when you see like someone being queer and out and living their life and just, you know, just being outspoken about stuff and playing queer worlds and all those things. Like it makes you really happy. But it also means that 
when other things happen might make you pretty annoyed. So basically, like, I don't know. I didn't know that Luke Evans was gay until uh, September or something. And um, when I learned, I was like super happy about it. But that also meant that I had like very different, like just perspective on his roles and what he does, like what he gets cast as basically, right? Because the one thing you need to know is that I think he came out in like 2002 or 2001, like like at the very beginning of the 2000ers. 2000ers, what am I saying? <laughs> um, you know, at the beginning of this uh, century. But then, great, great century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was in that show as well, right? He got shoved right back into the closet after he came out. So people acknowledge that and then like they all forgot about it. He only gets cast as like non-queer people. And I mean, that might definitely be like a decision that he himself made, that he doesn't want to play queer people in movies or on TV or whatever. And that's completely fine by me. But basically, like everyone forgot about the fact that he's gay until Ian McKellen outed like a bunch of people on The Hobbit <laughs> in like, I don't know, 2014 or 15 or something. Which is like hilarious and it has to do with some other things as well. But basically, um, so I was watching this show <laughs> and there's the scene. First off, um, it's set in like the 1890s or something in New York. And it's basically about a serial killer. And there's this um, psychologist played by Danny Brue who like tries to solve these murders because, yeah, it's, I don't know, like it's kind of, it's also kind of very like. I mean, it's a normal just, crime show. This is a crime it's, show. It's a normal crime show, but it's like very 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 derogatory towards like people with like um like mental illnesses as well it's it's very bad um doesn't matter but um basically there's this one scene oh and like um as far as i know luke evans is like the only main um cast actor who's openly gay and so he goes into this club that's like filled with first off like kids who are like sex workers and like it's not really clear if they're like trans uh, women or if they're like, like, I don't, I don't, I really don't know. But like, they're kind of, they're, they're trans in like a way, right? And so they're like all dressed as girls and whatnot. And he gets like Luke Evans, who's playing a straight character in the uh, in the series, by the way. He gets roofied and then he gets raped by these children who are also prostitutes or sex workers. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Sex workers. And also like... um like trans people and like all of that just set me off I just I literally I was already so uncomfortable when the scene started and like I literally I had turned off the tv immediately I was so mad because how stupid are these fucking tv shows that they don't see how bad it is a to portray trans people in any way as predatory then those are fucking kids like those are kids like what the fuck what the actual fuck and then you have this openly gay actor who gets raped by these like boys or not boys or like damn I was so mad and like this stupid homophobia set me off so much because another thing <laughs> another thing <laughs> is I don't know if you all remember Beauty and the Beast 2017 it wasn't a great movie the cast was amazing and part of this cast was also Luke Evans and I'm sure most of you don't remember this but Josh Gad he played what's his role in the movie uh no one, there's Gaston, and there is no one. Da, 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 da. When they say his name, 
The food, Just right? La food. No, yes, yes. Okay, so which basically means the idiot in case you don't speak French. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> so basically, um, Le Fou, uh, Josh Gad's character in the movie is like gay or whatever. Like, obviously, it's Disney. They never explicitly mention it, but like he basically hits on Gaston the whole time. And it's like in a very Disney, just just inherently queerphobic way that they're like, he's obviously the bad guy, like one of the bad guys in the movie, right? And they're yet again queer coding their fucking villains. And then you have like Luke Evans in this role who's yet again being hit on by like a guy and it's like very uncomfortable and like I hate it so much. Like all of that is so bad. And like I could go on and on and on about how like homophobia, like if anyone tries to tell me that homophobia and transphobia, by the way, because that's like one thing that majorly set me off in like the alienist. If one person tries to tell me that it does not exist anymore in today's Hollywood and yes, there's a lot of people who have like come out recently, some people who have come out this year in one way or another, thinking of Richard Armitage. Um like Still, like, and if they say, oh, yeah, these people don't experience any queer phobia, like, they don't have any disadvantage in, like, being cast or whatever. No, people, open your fucking eyes. Like, that's in here. That is, like, blatant queer phobia. That's so bad. And, like, another thing that I actually really hate because I'm on a roll is if they tr uh, if they cast cis actors as trans people, just don't do it. There's enough people who are willing and open and happy to play these roles there's so many talented trans actors who you can cast and just oh damn hollywood makes me so damn mad literally i don't even know how to explain this to you so yeah i was in an extremely bad mood all throughout monday and alex obviously had to sit through this she had to listen to me rant about that. I was like, literally, I was just like, I was so mad. I didn't sleep well that night because I'm a person that carries like all that stuff with her for like a certain amount of time. And like now you've heard me, like you've heard me rant. I'm still really, really mad about this. And oh, damn, like don't even try and talk to me about hold and catch fire because that is like another whole no, thing that is like bad. We're not going to do that now because, like, maybe at some point, if you want my no, opinion like, on this, you can ask on Twitter or something. Yeah. But. Yeah. Because that's, like, that's, like, ours. Yeah. That's, yes. like, ours. I I'm think, done. I mean, I don't want to because I, I think it's important that we, like, go off. But we're also at an hour and ten and I have yes. to edit this. So I'm just going to cut you off right here. And I'm just going to tell you who my fuck fuck is because it's less <laughs> problematic. <tell> me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to share this opinion because we've also talked about this currently and because universities also have to deal with corona and one thing they do is online classes and a way they <laughs> all cope with like having online classes and everything is half students prepare presentations and we're currently working on a presentation which in itself isn't absolutely uninteresting it goes like it's about I don't know how you could like people criticize companies and like products online and how you can react to it. It's like actually quite interesting, but it's an ungraded assignment. We have been wasting an entire week on. No one wants to listen to this because we have to pre-record it and then upload it. And then the people from our class have to listen to it the first 45 minutes of the class. And then we go together and discuss questions we have to think of. And I get why people are doing this. It's difficult and you have to plan lessons. But we've had this situation in, I don't know, I think every single class we've yeah. had so far, except maybe the economics ones. And it's so annoying 
because I think a lot of universities and like stu like I don't know professors and teachers think oh yeah they have they're at home they have time but no I genuinely have less time because I'm at home because my life is just falling apart so please stop making like please stop make me hold and prepare com like presentations and assignments that are ungraded I have to do this shit then at least give me a grade tell me this is worth 30% of what you're doing this semester because otherwise I have to waste hours and hours on that and it's like there's no I don't know happy resolution to it I'm just sitting there like well that was a waste of time and then have to carry on doing other miserable presentations that aren't graded so this yes. is my fuck fuck of this week's episode completely understandable as I am the other person obviously who has to yeah. do this um, <laughs> has to do this presentation it's it sucks it really does because you know like no one wants to listen to this and like yeah you could say that like you get something out of it which is knowledge but that's the thing since we have had we like our bachelors um was pretty like well done in terms of the stuff that we learned and like all content, the stuff yeah. that we're talking about this first semester of our masters is just revision there's nothing new that we've learned so far at least not in this class that we're just talking about right now it's just like Yeah. It's super freaking boring. It's it's a waste of everyone's time. And like it's so uncomfortable to just like pre-record a presentation. Like I don't know, like I really like doing presentations because I'm actually pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. Um but like part of it is that you see how people like react to what you're saying, right? You're like, "Oh yeah, yeah. so people are into this or like your professor or whatever, he thinks this is the right thing that you're talking about right now and you don't have that." And it's just Yeah, it's like, it is, I mean, it's kind of not much different than recording a podcast, but it's still, it's still bad. It's, it's terrible. But the thing about a podcast is when I'm doing this, I know like whoever, like however many people are listening to this, they do this because they want to. Like you don't yeah. listen to a podcast, at least like in your like free time, because you're forced to it. Like the worst thing that could happen to you is that the person you're in with a car wants to listen to this podcast and you're yeah. not particularly interested in it. That's like the worst thing. But with like this presentation, you have to record it and it's just weird. And also, as you said, like that, that's another problem. Like I like our teachers, especially on this new university we're at. The professors and teachers we have, they're all incredibly kind. They're so caring. They always say, yeah, we know it's like an extreme situation. Corona fucks everyone. But at the same time, I just like I don't want to hold and like, I don't know, record myself giving presentations. It's just, I don't know, it's tough. And it's really, I, I get to just get so annoyed. And yeah. I also start hating our classmates because I have to listen to their presentations, which isn't fair because we don't all don't want to yeah, do this. So they don't do it voluntarily. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. Yeah. We are all forced to it. So this is why it's my fact. It's a lose-lose so. situation. Yeah. No one wins. A <laughs> little bit like a lot of other stuff. And now I think we should move on to happy things. Ending yeah. on a high note because this episode wasn't the most fun one in terms of like topics and stuff. So let's tell me who's your dude. My dude is George Takei because, yeah, obviously he's great. Like I said, every time I'm on Twitter and I see him roasting Trump or just like talking about his experiences and just like I said earlier, like I really enjoy seeing people being out, being queer, being outspoken, doing like he does so much for the community. It's amazing. And yeah, he's he's honest. He's great. He's so funny too. Like he makes me laugh a lot. And he's he's amazing. He's great. I just I think after this episode uh, episode I think there's no further explanation needed. He's amazing. Yeah, 
he's great. Yeah. I love that choice. Yeah. Okay, so Alex, who's your dude this week? My dude is um, the person who, or the two people who visited us today. And yeah. um, I want to give a little disclaimer. We said it before. In Germany, there's this rule you're allowed to meet like five people from two different households are allowed to meet at the moment and paul and i i only go out once a week because um, i'm tutoring a, like a boy in the city and we're always wearing masks we're keep, like trying to keep our distance and this is the only time i leave the house and paula only leaves the house i mean of course like for shopping and that's the only time paula leaves her house and today my grandparents visit and visited and they came by for maybe a few hours and my grandpa he's really like he's an electrician he is really handy and He helped us secure the shelves we have on our walls, which one of them is above Paula's bed and was in imminent danger. She was in imminent danger to be killed by, like, the shelf, shelf. falling down. Yeah. yeah, and getting getting killed by her Lord of the Rings books. And I also have, we have two above Paula's um, piano in, like, the living room. And we also have one above, like, I have one above my printer. So he helped us secure those. He helped, like, he put up our lamps. We now have the amazing Ikea, Ikea um, what's it called? Death Star, Death Star. lamp. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, he's just, it was so great. He also fixed our door in, like, the bathroom. And <laughs> our, my grandma, she went shopping with us and she bought us groceries. And also, like, uh, what's it called? A hocker? Um, a poof. I a think poof. It, you would just call it a poof in English, too. I don't know. It's something we can sit on and we can also put our snacks in. It's amazing. Because she know. also brought like the most like I have never seen this many Christmas cookies in one place before. <laughs> like I'm not yeah. kidding you. There's two huge buckets of Christmas cookies and they're so delicious. I've been trying not to eat them all at once. And also she made us lunch like home cooked um, just, you know, for this area that we live in. Yeah. Typical lunch in its It was so good. It just felt so good. Do you know what I just thought of? What? We forgot the um, red beet salad she made us. We well, we can just eat it now. Yes. Wow. That was not planned. But yeah, she's amazing. And also, I mean, she's my grandma. I love her so much. She's amazing. And she, like, bakes so many cookies before Christmas. Last year, like, um, like the entire time I was, like, living in Eastern Germany, she always sent me two kilograms of, like, cookies and i could possibly not eat them alone i still had like sometimes in february i still had cookies left because um paula is like the cookie monster i eat them from time to time but she really loves it yeah I and i will take a picture and put it on like on instagram because it's so much food so yeah these are my my dudes because they were amazing and i'm also just glad to have someone else to talk to because we mm. haven't fought yet or anything or we're still like we're a bit unhinged but apart from that we're cool but it's just something like <laughs> talking to another person who you're not around with 24 hours a day is just really nice for your mental health and also makes you feel a little bit more like a person less like a goblin living in your own apartment yeah for sure yeah. i also just want to say that alex's grandparents are literally the most welcoming and just nicest people in the whole world like when we were apartment hunting um a couple months ago we actually stayed at their house and they're so welcoming they they don't even like they literally don't know anything about you and they're like just so open and yeah they're really really amazing honestly really great people yeah i'm like i'm really like I, I, I don't always say that, but I'm really blessed with like having them in my life because they're yeah. amazing and they care so much and it's just great to have that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So I think that was a nice episode. 
yeah today it's your honor to end it <laughs> okay people then um no you know what we haven't done yet you haven't told everyone how they can reach us on social media um so if you want to reach out to us you can reach out to us either on instagram or on twitter under the handle at deep underscore space underscore gay um we try to post there as regularly as possible and yeah if you have questions if you have comments if you want to complain about homophobia or why i don't know discrimination is just fucking sucks you can reach out to us and we would love to hear your opinions yeah okay so everyone i'm just gonna say we'll hear from you next time yes. bye bye bye